If I can just ask Alex just to read a portion of scripture from John chapter 20, from 1 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you had carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Thank you, Alex. And then just reading a few verses from Luke 24, similar, just a different trans, different emphasis here we see very early that sunday morning the women made their way to the tomb carrying the spices that they had prepared among them were mary magdalene joanna and mary jesus's mother arriving at the tomb they discovered that the huge stone covering the entrance had been rolled aside so they went in to look but the tomb was empty the body of jesus was gone they stood stunned and perplexed. Suddenly two men in dazzling white robes, shining like lightning, appeared above them. Terrified, the women fell to their ground on their faces. The men in white said to them, Why would you look for the living one in a tomb? He is not shy, for he has risen. Why do you seek for the living one amongst the dead, amongst the tombs? He is risen. He is risen. Church today, He is risen. The response, the Anglican response is, He is risen indeed. 
So let's go. He is risen. And what a great interrupter. What a great interrupter. Jesus came and interrupted this thing called death. And that gives you and I hope. Because one day you and I are going to die. But we're going to get resurrection bodies. So this is just the most amazing day to be preaching. The greatest privilege just to share and open up the scriptures. In fact, in the songs that we've sung in, 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 the, in the word that Helen brought, uh, the gospel has already been preached. It's just so amazing. As we look at the scripture, you, you can only be filled with a, a couple of things. You will be filled with discovery, a risen Christ. You must be, must be amazed. I think in some ways they had a little bit of advantage on, on us. We've been hearing these stories forever and ever for 40, 50 years 70 years, who's there? Where's there? there's nobody here that's 90 at the moment today. There's usually a 90-year-old. Uh, you've been hearing the story for 90 years. And sometimes it loses some of the wonder. But just imagine, put yourselves in the position of those women who went to the tomb, of Peter and, and John who ran to the tomb. Put yourself in their position. They would have discovered things they never expected. They would have been completely surprised. And there would have been a, a wonder. A wonder to it all. The wonder of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And his resurrection. That's, that's just the, 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 the most amazing thing. But aren't you a bit like me sometimes, or a bit like the world? Don't you wonder, was it, is it all true? Did it really happen? The modern man, the sophisticated, intelligent person is very skeptical about the supernatural, about healing, about faith, about Jesus rising from the dead, about the virgin birth. These are all fairy tales according to the hymn. You know, I know if you're anything like me and you have a computer, every week you get something, some email which says, great news. We've tracked a long-lost relative and you're going to inherit 16 gazillion. And you think, I don't think that would be really nice. I know we all just delete it because we know that it's a scam, that it's a hoax. But imagine if one letter came in to, to, the, to your letterbox tomorrow and it said this, it said that it was on uh, official letterhead, it was embossed, and said you had, you had won a, uh, uh, or you inherited a fortune. Would you be a little bit curious? If there was a telephone number, wouldn't you phone it and just find out? I had a friend who, who won a car. He won a car. And he got a phone call from Avis. He didn't even know he'd been put in a competition. Chris Murray. And, and, and he didn't know he'd been put in this competition. And he got this phone call and it said, you won a car. And he just... Uh, Flooked them and said, ah, you're pulling my leg. Your friends, your friends have set you up. But he actually won a car. He won a Hyundai I-20. Nice red one. And when we look at the world today, there's just, when you see the headlines and you see uh, CNN and you see all the news houses just spewing out fake news, you don't know what's true anymore. 
You don't know, even photography. I mean, I, I love photography. I take photos. But I can make people look much better than they are. I can make people look much younger than they are. The joy... <laughs> And so for most people, the resurrection is almost too good to be true. Because what does the resurrection offer? The resurrection offers a new body, a, new, a renewed world made perfect. It means we can live with loved ones. If we go to uh, Revelations, right at the end of Revelations, we can see what the new heavens and the new earth look like. This is not fake news. This is reality. This is what we are destined for. And we are destined to experience a little bit of heaven on earth now. We are destined to bring Jesus to a world which is lost and dying. And so let's have a look at this thing called the resurrection. The resurrection is, is both... Uh, the doctrine of the resurrection is, is rational, is merciful, it's personal, and it's wonderful. There's no better news than the, than the resurrection. So let's have a look at the rationality of it. Mary goes to the tomb and what does she see? She sees the body is gone. And so she goes back to Peter and John. They run to, they initially, if you, if you read the, the Luke one, or, or the Mark one, I'm not quite sure. If they, they initially like, nah, that's not true. That was too good to, too, too good to be true. Could he be risen? They, they were filled with thoughts and questions. And so Simon and Peter, eventually they decide and they run. They run. There's this, uh, this race to get there first. And the beloved disciple, which we, I think we assume is John, his beloved one, arrives there first, but he doesn't go in. He sees the grave clothes uh, scattered there. He sees the... Uh, the, the linen covering the, the face all folded up. And he believes. Simon Peter, bold, just rushes in where angels fear to tread. He's not, he goes right in. That's, that's his, I'm, not, I'm not a Peter. I'm very cautious. I always take things from a little bit of a distance. I'll probably be more like John. Just having a look. I'm not sure about this. And uh, it says, the word he saw. He saw that the linen cloths were lying there. And that word saw is uh, much more than just seeing. The Greek is theoreo or something, less, something like that. But it means to observe intently. Looking for an explanation. What has happened here? What has happened here? He would have been thinking, well, maybe somebody came and stole the body. Because and, and there were grave robbers in those days. And, and often uh, some valuables would be buried with the, with, the, with the bodies. So maybe some grave robbers had come and stolen the body. But why would have they taken off the clothes? They wouldn't have taken off the grave clothes. Because in those days, when they embalmed a body, they wrapped it up in, in cloth. 
And they would put spices on each layer, and they would keep layering it. Remember when Lazarus rose from the dead? He couldn't uh, release himself. He, couldn't, he had to be helped. And there would be lots of spices. And spices and that were, were, would have been the valuable part. And so it couldn't have been grave, it couldn't have been grave robbers. Well, maybe it was some of the disciples. Why would have they taken Jesus out naked? Just a thought. And so they're thinking they, need, they needed reasoning. They needed to believe in the resurrection. They needed to, to put this all together in their minds. No one saw this coming. No one. On the Sunday, Sunday following the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, no one really expected what happened. Or at least they didn't fully comprehend it. They should have. Why? Because in Mark 8.31, he, he said, Jesus was speaking about himself. He says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and then rise on the third day. These disciples are a bit like me, a little doff. Because I was just say, saying to Milan this morning, I was saying, I wish I could remember stuff. You know, you get like Alex, he remembers quotes and, and, and Mike Ivey, and they, and they know they can remember a quote from a, a long time ago. So the disciples were much more like me. And they obviously had forgotten this, this, this uh, Mark 8.31. And so... They're looking for evidence. Peter and John and Mary, they're looking for evidence. They, they're looking for, is this true? They're hoping. Let's look at some historical evidence today. Let's look at Mary Magdalene. She is the first person to see the risen Christ. Wow. Imagine having that as the honor. I was the first person to see the risen Christ. Celsius, a Greek philosopher and an enemy of Christianity, wrote a book trying to show that uh, how intellectually flawed the resurrection was. Intellectually and rationally flawed. And this was his main defense. Listen to this. Listen to this. His main evidence was, how can you expect rational men to listen to the testimony of an hysterical female. That was his defense. And we must realize in those days, women were held in very low self-esteem. They had a very low place in society. In fact, the Jews, didn't they, didn't the male, the male Jew would pray, I thank God I'm not a, a, a Gentile, a woman, a dog. <laughs> I, think, I think there was, I don't know if that's just a... a Urban legend, but it might be true. But this fact today, that the first witness was a woman, uh, is one of the strengths of, the Christ, of Christianity. If you were making up stories, just imagine the disciples who got together, we're making up a story that Jesus rose from the dead. You would never choose a woman and, and all this group of women to be the first witnesses, because you would have been pounded. Because women in those days, they, they weren't reliable witnesses. They weren't reliable witnesses. And so all historians today actually say that this is a strength of the story. 
If we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just some more historical evidence, just having a little bit of look at historical evidence, reading from verse 3. For I delivered, this is Paul writing, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he, that he was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Probably quite a few had martyred already by then. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one untimely born, he also appeared to me. And so the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus living in, there are many instances, and, and maybe, we, maybe some of the thing we need to do is go and just have a look at it. Have a look at the scriptures. Go and read all about the risen Christ. Read uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, all about the resurrection. Let's not be modern, skeptical, sophisticated people who don't believe the word of God. Let's believe this word is, is, is powerful and changes our lives. Also, why do you think uh, Peter and John needed to believe in the resurrection? We just realize in, in this time, in the time of Christ, there were many messianic pretenders to the throne. There were many people who came and said that they were the Messiah. That they, there was one guy called, what's his name? A real complicated name. Uh, Simon Bar Kochba. He led a revolt. And he was going to free the Jews from the Roman Empire. But he got killed. And when these pretenders to the throne, pretenders to being Messiah, when they were killed, everybody would sit down, down and say, obviously, they were not the Messiah. Why? Because although some, believe, some uh, believers, some Jews believed in the, in the resurrection, not all did. Not all the Jews believed in a resurrection. But though some did, did they didn't believe, they believed in a final resurrection. At the end of time, the idea of a human being coming into, into their time, in the middle of time, and to be resurrected all by himself before everybody else couldn't possibly occur. That's a thought, eh? We, we know because we've been reading it for a long time. We, we've studied the scriptures and we know that, that there was a resurrection and Jesus came before time. Before what they thought would happen. And isn't that what Helen was saying today? God comes and interrupts our thinking, our theology. He comes in and he just interrupts it. And, he, and, and suddenly there's a risen Christ. How cool is that? It's so amazing. If you really want to read a good book, I remember a long time ago reading the book by Frank Morrison, Who Moved the Stone? He was a journalist, 
investigative journalist, and he wanted to prove that the resurrection was a made-up story. And he ended up, at the end of the book, giving his life to Jesus and saying it's his truth. So if you want some uh, good evidence, he, he does it fantastically well. So the resurrection is rational. Let's be excited by that. It's not just some fanciful fable. How do I know? Because he lives in me. He lives in me today. How do I know Jesus is alive? Because he lives in me. The resurrection is merciful. Notice how he comes to Mary. As much as she is filled with love for Jesus, and we see Mary coming to the tomb, and she's weeping uncontrollably, and she's missing him, and she's wanting him, and she's wanting to, she comes to the tomb, she wants to do some more embalming and put some more spices on. She's filled with passion for Jesus. Yet she's absolutely clueless. She has such a small view of him because she is looking for a dead Jesus. She is looking for a dead Jesus. And therefore, Jesus had to come and reveal himself to Mary. In Luke 24, verse 7, it says, Why do you look for the living among the dead? What the, what the, what the, the angel is saying is, in other words, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. The tomb could not hold him. The tomb could not hold him. He is not here. He has risen. Question for you and I today, as we ponder life and we ponder what we're doing in our lives and where we're spending our time and our effort, this question is, why do we seek life? Why do we seek life among the dead? Just think about it. Why do we seek life among the dead? What motivates us? Often we go to the wrong places for life, and the world does. They go to, what do you call those people? <laughs> You've got to know my mind. You've got to know my mind. Milan, you know my mind. They go to, to people to read the tea leaves and all that kind of stuff. Psychics, yes, psychics. Yeah, yeah, 10 out of 10, well done. Sorry, no, let me down there, I'm sorry. <laughs> when God speaks, and God is speaking to you and I today through the word, we must not listen according to the categories that we are used to, but with hearts that recognize who is speaking the promise. Who is speaking the promise? If God speaks the promise, it's going to happen. And that's the wonderful thing about the resurrection. He had foretold it. He had promised it would happen. And now it's happened. He keeps his word. Look how gentle he is with Mary. And he's gentle with you and I sometimes. Sometimes he comes in like a, a, a battering meringue. But he's very gentle here with, with, uh, with Mary. He asks, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? He's asking questions. Jockey is a coach. 
I'm a life coach, and he asks questions. Why? Because we have to discover the truth for ourselves. When we discover the truth for ourselves, then we believe it, and then we live it out. So Jesus is asking questions here. He wants it to be from the inside out. And so he unveils, Jesus unveils who, who he is in, the, in this thing. In this, in this encounter. You and I need to encounter the risen Jesus. And it's in his grace that he comes to us. He shows up to Mary and then tells her to go and tell the brethren, go and tell... Just imagine this. It's got a, let me do a little bit of history. I know you're all well taught you, and you know the Bible backwards, and you know everything. But uh, there's this Mary Magdalene. Who was she? Luke 8 says she had seven demons cast out of her. So she was a demoniac. As a demoniac, you would be outcast. Remember the demoniac, the, the ones with legions? And he came naked, running down the hill, and... Uh, they, the, the demons recognized that he was Jesus, that he was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. The religious leaders didn't. He was, he, was, he was a demoniac, and he was like out of control. They couldn't chain him. He was out of his mind. So she would have been an outcast until Jesus intervened in her life, until, until Jesus interrupted her life. And that's what Jesus wants to do with you and me. He wants to interrupt our lives. And take us to a completely different plan. Why did Jesus choose Mary as the first person to reveal himself? He chooses Mary and Mary was a woman and not a man. Mary was a reformed mental patient. Mary was not a seminary graduate. She hadn't gone to the, 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 the top uh, theological colleges of the day. And yet, she's the one, the first one to carry the good news, to carry the great news. My salvation and your salvation is not based on our pedigree, our talent, our good work, good looks. Although, yeah, I don't, yeah. <laughs> not those who think they are strong, but those who think they are, they are weak and throw themselves on Jesus. And that's what Mary does. Jesus, when he came, when he was born, he was born in a, in a stable. Everything's understated. It's not, he's not born in the most fancy hospital. The resurrection, you thought, well, this is a big deal. This should be a bit like Superman. You know, when Superman saves the plane, flies in and saves the plane and puts the plane down, there's CNN and there's BBC and there's Sky and there's everybody watching and it's, it's blasted all over the place. Jesus' resurrection is just. Got to be careful how I say that word. Jesus' resurrection is just to a bunch of women to Peter and James, just to a few disciples in the beginning. Only after a while was it to 500. So when Mary saw Jesus, he didn't recognize her. 
She didn't recognize him. Very good. You see, we've got an English teacher here. I need an English teacher. I need to slow down. Slow down. I get so excited. My mind races above what, it's cap- what my mouth is capable of putting out. But he makes it very personal. And when he says the word Mary, the lights go on. And she realizes it's Jesus. He calls Mary by name. He calls you and I by name. Sue, Zuko, Gareth. There's a personal relationship. It's personal. And we need to have that personal relationship with the living, with the living God, with the living Jesus. Effectively, what he said, I am not the dead founder of an ethical religion that you get to know over centuries by following the rules. I am a living Savior and I am alive now. You can have a personal relationship with, with me. And in the process, you will discover the deepest, deepest secrets of who you are. As we see Jesus, I think we sang it in one of the songs. As we become aware of who He is, we discover who we are and whose we are. And we discover our destiny. We only discover our, who we are in, G, in, in Jesus. We live in an, in an identity-obsessed culture. It dictates how that you look inside yourself and see who you feel you are today. So if I feel like a woman today, then I'm a woman. I mean, we might laugh, but that's the transgender. How many different uh, gender things are there? I think 64 different types of gender uh, classifications. 64 different types. Not my, that's not what it says in my scriptures. My scripture says God created male and female. That's, that's, that's it. There's just two genders. But the world is trying to say this, everything and anything goes. As we encounter the risen Christ, We find out who we are. The resurrection is the event without which there is no Christianity. Without which there is no salvation. Without which there is no forgiveness. Without which there is no heaven. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ was the divine affirmation of His work of atonement on the cross. When God raised Jesus from the dead, he was declaring that he was satisfied by Jesus' perfect sacrifice, had accepted in it as full payment for the sins of the people. Alex preached on that on Sunday, on Friday. Oh, yeah, it's just a day. Resurrection then demonstrates that sin was atoned for, death was conquered, and eternal life is available to all who believe. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? We have eternal life. And so in response to this, what, is the, what, what can we respond to? It says, we just have to be amazed in the wonder of it all. 
this weekend which we are celebrating, his death, his burial, his resurrection, that he came to give, bring life to you and I. And he wants to walk with you and I each day. So let's, let's, let's sing. I'm going to ask the worship team, Zooks and Milane, and we're going to sing just an old hymn. And I want us to raise the roof off. Sorry, Gareth Bowden, you built the roof, but I want us to, to raise the roof off as we sing and as we declare the majesty and the greatness of our Lord and our Savior. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for today. We thank you for today that you are risen. That you rule and you reign. And Lord, anybody who has not given their lives to Jesus, anybody who has not seen Jesus as their Lord and Savior, has not seen this weekend, the good news of this weekend, of his death, burial, and resurrection. Today is the day of salvation. If you want to experience eternal life, if you want to experience the life of Jesus today, today, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and believe in Jesus and you will be saved. Confess Him as your Lord and your Savior. So that's what we do today, Lord. We confess you as Lord and Savior. You are our Lord. You are our Savior. And now we're going to crown Him. We're going to crown Him with many crowns.